Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Out front next, the breaking news. United Airlines says inspectors have found loose bolts on more Boeing airplane doors, the same type of plane that had the midair disaster with the door blowing out on that Alaska Airlines flight. And Donald Trump revives another birther conspiracy. This time, he's bringing it up against Nikki Haley. As Michelle Obama is sounding her loudest alarm yet about another Trump presidency. And tonight, an outfront investigation. We follow the fastest growing group of migrants crossing illegally over the southern border. This group is from China. Let's go out front. And good evening, I'm Erin Burnett. Out front tonight, we begin with the breaking news. United Airlines revealing that inspectors have found loose bolts on more plane door plugs. Really sobering, right, just to hear that. It comes just days after the terrifying incident that you're looking at here on that Alaska Airlines flight. The door plug blown out of a Boeing 737 that took off from Portland, Oregon, with 177 people on board. Left that gaping hole in the plane. They were flying right that moment that you're looking at at an altitude of 16,000 feet. A new statement from United tonight says, we have found instances that appear to relate to installation issues in the door plug. For example, bolts that needed additional tightening. Now let's just show you some images of the door plug itself. That was where it was ripped from the plane on Friday night. You can see the size there. Uh, It's about the size of a refrigerator. The NTSB now saying the plane was actually restricted from flying long routes over the ocean at the time this happened. It obviously didn't happen over the ocean, but it had been restricted from those sorts of flights uh, because of a warning light for pressurization had come on three times in recent weeks, which had led them to think, well, then you can't fly it over water in case you need to land quickly. Well, thank goodness for that, that they were following that because they did land quickly and everyone was alive. Additional maintenance uh, was requested, but it was not completed before Friday's incident. Now, Boeing shares plummeted today. Nearly $13 billion were wiped out from Boeing shares today. I mean, this is hugely significant. Boeing, right, a stalwart of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. A black eye for Boeing does impact all of America. It is the largest exporter for the entire United States. It is the largest commercial aircraft manufacturer in the world. It is a brand, and its airplanes stand for American greatness around the world. And now you have this on top of other disasters, you know, of course, involving those best-selling MAX planes in recent years, including two terrible ones, the fatal crashes in 2018 and 2019. This now raises major questions uh, about the company, its rigor, which leads us to this Bloomberg headline that we saw today. China's Boeing alternative starts to look enticing. Not a headline that Boeing ever expected or wanted to see. Mike Valerio is out front live from Portland to begin our coverage. And Mike, I mean, a terrifying discovery, right? Another airline, right, that had taken the planes out of service after this incident, sort of out an abundance of caution. And you often expect in these situations, take it out of service. Oh, there's no problem. I was just too cautious. Now they're finding loose bolts on, on multiple door plugs. What more do you know? 
Well, we know, thanks to the reporting from our great and esteemed colleague, Pete Montine, Aaron, that in order to have these findings that United is removing two rows of seats from its aircraft, removing airline panels, panels from the interior of the aircraft and employing five technicians at a time. And they found loose bolts around the door plugs of these aircrafts. Now, these are ongoing activities and questions that are being asked from hangars across America to neighborhoods like here in Portland. We're about 20 minutes outside of the neighborhood. And why we're here, Aaron, just imagine Friday night from 16,000 feet, a door plug from the Alaska Airlines plane comes crashing down into that backyard just over my left-hand shoulder. That is where Bob Sauer lives. He's giving an impromptu news conference of sorts. A local science teacher is talking about the principles of physics behind the impulse and the free fall of this piece of the airliner. But he just wants to know, like all of us across the country, how this could happen. Critical inspections underway after a mid-air scare at 16,000 feet. This when a piece of the plane, a door plug, blew out on Alaska Airlines Flight 1282, carrying 177 people on board. United Airlines saying it found loose bolts around the door plug on an undisclosed number of its Boeing 737 MAX 9 aircraft. 171 of those Boeing models have been grounded with the FAA announcing, quote, enhanced inspections after what the NTSB chair calls an explosive decompression during Friday's flight. Passengers reliving the harrowing moments. You heard a big loud bang to the left rear rear like in row 20 and a whooshing sound and all the oxygen masks deployed instantly and everybody got those on. A Portland school teacher finding the door plug of the Alaska Airlines flight in his backyard, a crucial piece of evidence for investigators. Getting the door and the other pieces, they will hopefully be able to pinpoint exactly where the failure point was. Uh, it remains to be seen if all the fasteners, bolts or latches are still on that piece. The plane's mechanical history also under scrutiny. Prior to Friday's accident, Alaska Airlines restricted the aircraft from flying over the ocean to Hawaii so it could quickly return to an airport in case of any warnings. This after the aircraft's auto pressurization fail light came on three times in the past month, the NTSB says. It's unclear if there's any connection between those warning lights and Friday's scare. That is what we are looking at with Alaska right now and with Boeing right now. That alert that illuminated those three times certainly is very disconcerting to our investigators and we want to look at that. Found a phone belonging to an Alaska Airlines passenger sitting on the ground. Sean Bates heard the NTSB calling on the public to help find the missing part of the plane and found this iPhone on the side of the road. It didn't have a screen lock on it, so I opened it up and it was in airplane mode with a travel confirmation and baggage claim for Alaska 1282. The NTSB says the phone screened intact and a second iPhone, quote, most likely fell off the plane. So, Aaron, this is a terrible accident, right? But the NTSB and observers throughout the aviation industry keep coming back to these tributaries of luck. Thank God everybody was still strapped into their seatbelts. This was not at cruising altitude at 30,000 feet. Nobody was sucked outside of the aircraft. Dr. Bob, for his, or excuse me, Bob, for his part, the physics teacher, is saying, thank God nobody in this densely populated neighborhood was hurt. People were having dinner. And he said, Aaron, he will not be flying on any Max 9s anytime soon.
All right. Thank you very much, Mike. I mean, it is incredible when you think about it, right? The door could have hit somebody. The phones on the ground could hit somebody. By the way, it's incredible that those screens did not shatter. Uh, so many so many things uh, from micro to macro to think about here. Miles O'Brien is with me now, CNN aviation analyst. And Miles, um, when you hear the statement from United, right? And th- th- this was not, this was an Alaska plane that this happened to. So now United takes their Max is out. We're just going to double check. Abundance of caution and all that business. They'll all be back tomorrow being the implication. And then guess what? No. There are loose bolts on an undisclosed number of planes inspected. When you hear that, does that kind of make you worried or no? It's kind of horrifying, Aaron. <laughs> I mean, this is the system is built to tighten the bolts and put wires through them and inspect them and sign off on them and then seal things up and ship the aircraft. Something went very wrong along the way here, apparently. And when you look at that door and you look at the hole in that aircraft, it does look as if it was just kind of removed. Uh, There's no real sense of metal tearing. It's such a clean break that my initial reaction was somebody didn't tighten the bolts. And that's what it looks like. Okay, so the NTSB has uh, released a diagram of the door. And you've actually looked into this in detail. So this door, um, you say, is is really secured by just the four bolts that are circled on the screen here. Just by those four yep. bolts. Now, that in and of itself, well, I guess maybe that is part of the problem, but it didn't necessarily need to be, right? I mean, if they were, if they were tightened correctly, what could have gone wrong with either the actual installation or perhaps with the design? I, I, I don't see, you know, I'm not an engineer. Let me get this straight here. But <clears throat> I don't see a problem with the design. Assuming the bolts are tightened properly and the wire is put through them, which keeps them from, you know, loosening. And, you know, bolts on aircraft, almost all of them have wires or pins right through them. Mm. So they don't loosen. Uh, and if that occurred, it that, that plug should have still been there. Now, it it's, doesn't sound like a lot, four little bolts. But in this case, the, with that design, it probably should be okay to handle the load in this case. But, you know, it, this takes me back to that light we keep talking about, the pressurization light. Yeah. Was that door subtly leaking, perhaps? Maybe. And we just don't, and we just don't know. And I guess that's the... It's the other question then is uh, all these other planes out there that have the same issue. We don't know now whether any of them had the lights go off before. Uh, There's a lot more to find out here. All right. Thank you very much, Miles O'Brien. And now I want to go to Stephanie King, a passenger on that Alaska Airlines flight. So, Stephanie, I got to imagine, I don't know, watching these videos, uh, which I kind of have done again and again and again, as I'm sure everyone has who wasn't actually there, uh, like you were you were actually there. I'm amazed at how quiet it was, uh, it, it just how unbelievable uh, that is um, to try to imagine being there. But of course, you were there, and now you're hearing loose bolts found during these inspections on other Boeing Max air, airplanes that are even with other airlines. Uh, they've been grounded now after your terrifying flight, and your plane, of course, itself had had the, the warning light go off three times and was not supposed to be flown on long water routes because of that pressurization warning light. Gosh, what even goes through your mind when you hear all of these new developments, Stephanie? It's pretty concerning, I'll be honest. Um, You know, when you go on a flight, you expect that everything's going to be okay. The plane has been assembled properly. Everything is tightened up. The pilots are trained. The flight attendants are trained. And you expect it to be fine. And to have something like this happen was 
so shocking and I think that's most of the reason why it was so quiet after the event happened because nobody knew what to do or say what what do you say in that situation oh, I think I, I, and and I can only imagine I mean you get on a plane like that it had only flown you know for a few months it was brand new you're probably getting on going wow I'm on a new plane this is beautiful um, yeah. <laughs> you're sitting towards the front, I believe, Stephanie, right? So it takes off, you're, you're going up, you're only at 16,000 feet, and then you hear a boom. Um, so then what, what did happen next as you remember it? So there was that loud boom. And at that moment, it, it seemed like air and particles or mist came flying into the cabin forward from the back to the front of the plane. And then from there, it was immediately sucked right back out very dramatically. I mean, you know, your hair was flung backward from the, the force there. And then after that, it was just hearing the loud roar of the engines and the wind passing the window. You know, it's like having your window open on the freeway. It's very loud and it's very unsettling. And it's something I will never forget. And I'm pretty traumatized over. I, I, I truly can't imagine. I know that you had taken a video of yourself with your oxygen mask on. And before you actually typed out the texts to your loved ones, you know, in cases when this ends very differently, we often never know if anybody sent a text or what they said. You just don't even, you know, know what they did in those last moments. But in what you thought might be your last moments, you did. You typed out those texts. Um, are you even able to process how you felt? I mean, did you, did you actually at that moment think I could die? I did. I definitely thought that that was a real possibility. Um, I thought, you know, we might be going down. What I sent to my mother was, the plane has exploded, and I'm not sure what's going on, but I love you. And it was it was horrifying. <laughs> it was really traumatic. I'm so glad we made it, but I think that there definitely needs to be some more investigation to figure out why this happened and how to prevent it from happening, because next time it might not go so well. There could be lives lost. That's absolutely. Well, Stephanie, thank God uh, for this and this time that, you know, as we say, the pilots and the flight attendants were trained. They did do their jobs and they, they got you all to the ground safely. And thank God for that. Thank you so much for talking to me. Yeah, thank you. And next, Donald Trump spreading birther conspiracy theories. Seen this song before, right? Well, this time they're against, well, not hard to guess, Nikki Haley. Theories that, of course, are factually incorrect. Will it work to turn votes against her? And an outfront investigation tonight. I'm working on this for a very long time with our David Culver, who was swarmed by Chinese migrants on the ground before he even was able to get his mic on, as those Chinese migrants are trying to cross illegally into the United States. Wait till you see uh, his incredible report. And more questions than answers. The Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin still not saying what landed him in the hospital for days before the president and his own deputy knew he was even there. This is we learned the White House didn't know about another hospital stay for Austin. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support, your sleep number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. 
Temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra-processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff. And some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. Tonight, Donald Trump reviving his birther conspiracy theories, this time against his GOP opponent, Nikki Haley. He reposted on social media a false accusation that Haley is not eligible to run for president because her parents weren't citizens when she was born. Just to be extremely clear on this issue, it does not matter when Haley's parents became citizens. Haley herself was born in the state of South Carolina, a United States citizen, and is absolutely eligible to be president. But the fact that I even had to sit here and say that is exactly why the post happened in the first place. And it is not Trump's first go around on the birther carousel. Here's just a small taste of some of what he said back when President Obama was running for re-election. I want him to show his birth certificate. You are not allowed to be a president if you're not born in this country. He may not have been born in this country. He could have been born in Kenya and gone over to the United States, and everybody wants to be a U.S. citizen. Out front now, Basil Smeichel, former executive director of the New York State Democratic Party, and Margaret Hoover, our political commentator and the host of Firing Line on PBS. So, Basil, Trump's post today Um, You know, this is one of those things you just kind of have to put it out there Mm -hmm. uh, for it to bear fruit uh, in some cases, because people don't get into the technicals of what makes one eligible or not eligible. Simply questioning it is where the power in this comes. Does it continue to resonate? It's racist. It's xenophobic. It manifested his own presidential aspirations in doing this against against, uh, Barack Obama. Does it resonate outside of the Republican Party? No. But for his core, core base... It certainly does. What's going to be interesting to me is how Haley responds, because Barack Obama didn't lean into race. Some people didn't like that so much, but he didn't lean into race very much, except for a very brilliant speech in Philadelphia, I think, in May of of that cycle. I'm interested to see if Nikki Haley, who can't say the word slavery, actually finds a way to inject her race and ethnicity um, in, in any kind of pushback. It probably won't work for her if she, do, if she does that, but it'll be interesting to see. It's yeah. also it's also p- presents a dilemma because she's been very careful about not attacking yeah. him explicitly on the campaign trail. Right. And by going after her directly, she, it, it requires a response. So how is she going to thread the needle and respond without attacking him in a way that she has tried so deftly to, to dance around in terms of directly criticizing him. Um, it also just reminds me that Donald Trump is just replaying his greatest hits. Like, he doesn't have new creative jabs at people, so he's recycling the 2012 and 2015 sort of, you know, John McCain now he's hitting again. I mean, the, you know, right, the, right. the esteemed mm-hmm. senator has been gone for for five years now. Um, it, it's It's... You know, it may be a sign of a, a slowing mind, uh, maybe not so sharp as he once was. Also, go after the same thing. A yeah, good, tropes. Also, a sign that 
he's worried about Nikki Haley, too. Um, and that's that's interesting, right? Because he's out in Iowa campaigning and saying, I really need you guys to get out and vote. Now, in one way, that is some kind of a, a, a nod to the inevitability of his nomination. But it's also to remind voters, look, if you don't come out, you know, Nikki Haley's not that far behind, or at least that's what he's trying to communicate, and she can easily slip in there. And so former First Lady Michelle Obama uh, came in and weighed in on the 2024 contest. And it's interesting timing for her to choose to do that, but she chose to do it now. And uh, maybe as she's hearing uh, John McCain and hearing the Nikki Haley, she came out and uh, we heard her today in the new podcast. Here's part of what she said, Margaret. What's going to happen in this next election? I am terrified about what could possibly happen because our leaders matter. Who we select, who speaks for us, who holds that bully pulpit, it affects us in ways that sometimes I think people take for granted. We cannot take this democracy for granted. And sometimes I, I worry that we do. Those are the things mm. that keep me up. So what do you think about her choosing to say that now? Um, well, it echoes Joe Biden's democracy pitch from Valley Forge over the weekend. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also a time when Joe Biden is in South Carolina trying to gin up support from Jim Clyburn and African-Americans who helped him clinch the nomination in the first place. But I will just say, I think it's really important for those of us who are concerned, severely concerned about Donald Trump in the presidency again. Yep. I think it's really important to make a distinction that the democratic process, it, a, a just election, is democracy working? Mm -hmm. The, the fact that Donald Trump could be elected again isn't uh, democracy not working. The problem with Donald Trump, and the thing that I think she is terrified by, is what he would do, his plans for right, a second presidency. Right. The, but, but, but the fact that he could be elected again, and that possibility happening, mm -hmm. it, 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 it risks undermining people's faith in the electoral process. If he were to win again fairly, mm -hmm. yeah. But as I will say, also, um, you have Trump going after Haley. Biden went after Haley uh, at uh, that church in Charleston uh, right. that, that, that defined her governorship, of course, where that horrific uh, massacre occurred. Um, you know, let me be clear, for those who don't seem to know, slavery was the cause of the Civil War. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he's talking about Nikki Haley. So right now, you have both frontrunners seeing her as their biggest threat. Well, that's true. But I would also add in the, the other layer of this is also Joe Biden doing exactly as Michelle Obama did, reminding people that white supremacy is still real, that the effects of slavery are still real, yeah. and that, you know, we cannot take our foot off the gas because it's not just about whether or not Donald Trump wins. It's what happens if whether he wins or not. What happens to our democracy after this election. Right, which uh, exactly as, as Margaret's saying, yeah. too. All right, thank you both so very much. And next, the growing surge of Chinese migrants crossing the southern border illegally. And a lot of them wanted to talk to our David Culver, swarming him as soon as they spotted him. Yes. My mic not even on, but that doesn't stop this crowd of Chinese migrants from venting. They're angry, having to wait in the cold for border patrol. And breaking news, incredible images out of Fort Worth, Texas, showing intense damage following an explosion at a hotel. Tonight, a massive underground operation. A CNN investigation uncovering the staggering number of Chinese migrants trying to enter the U.S. illegally through the southern border. Some of them paying more than $20,000 to get in. Now, the number that came in last year, double, is about double, the Chinese migrants who tried crossing the southern border over the previous 10 years, combined. Add up 10 years, double it, you get last year. 
David Culver has this Outfront investigation. As soon as we pull up, they rush towards us. My mic not even on, but that doesn't stop this crowd of Chinese migrants from venting to producer Yong Shong. They're angry having to wait in the cold for border patrol. This is just one of three makeshift border camps we stop at in eastern San Diego County. Alongside migrants from Latin America, at each camp, we meet dozens from China. The numbers reflect the surge. From 2013 to 2022, CBP recorded fewer than 16,000 Chinese migrants illegally crossing the U.S. southern border. This past year alone, more than 31,000. That's roughly double the prior 10 years combined. But unlike those fleeing countries in turmoil like Venezuela, Cuba, or Haiti, these migrants are leaving the world's second largest economy. What was the reason you left China? Their answers vary. His family is poor. Most cite deepening financial hardships, despite the Chinese government's narrative of a steadily rebounding economy. How did you get here? How did you get to Southern California? <laughs> Their trek north primarily starts in one Latin American country, where Chinese do not need visas to enter. To Ecuador. How, how, many, how many of you here came through Ecuador. To really understand their journey and how it differs from other migrants, you need to see it in action. We touched down in Ecuador's capital, Quito, and standing outside of international arrivals, we noticed this man. Chinese? A hired driver, scrolling through photos and messages in Chinese. A few minutes later, passengers begin stepping out. They tell us they're from China and plan to go to the U.S., but most ask we not show their faces. The driver approaches this group, making sure he's got the right passengers. He's got a booking for them. We uncovered an assortment of travel packages offered specifically to Chinese migrants. You can pay smugglers who promise to ease some of the planning stress. For nine dollars to $12,000, flights, hotels, transportation booked for you. For 20 or more thousand, it's a premium service, getting you to the Mexico side of the U.S. border, skipping some of the more treacherous crossings. We drive through Ecuador's capital city with Long Tuan Wei. He shows us private homes and Airbnbs where Chinese migrants stay when they arrive. Long's lived here in Quito for five years and runs a travel agency. He has witnessed the recent surge in Chinese migrants. And with it, a spike in businesses catering to them, like this Chinese-run hotel. The owner estimates there are as many as 100 hotels in Quito that, like hers, host Chinese migrants headed to the U.S. Then take a look at this. They've got essentially a how-to guide to go from here and to continue north. And they tell you here how many days you should be preparing, vaccinations you might need, other documents you should carry with you. They even mentioned bringing $300 and hiding that amount of money because of presumably being robbed at some point and needing cash as a backup. It's advice Zheng Shiching could have used a few days earlier. Your parents still think you're in China? They have no idea you left? Yeah. We meet the 28-year-old back in Quito after he was robbed at gunpoint in Colombia. Will you I left China because I was not able to save any money. It was really difficult to support myself, he tells me. He says some employers in China refuse to pay him even after working. Even if they say the Chinese economy is strong, 
It is all about the upper class, he says. I wish I was never born. Living feels so exhausting. After saving up enough to restart his trek, Zhang heads to this Quito bus station, where ticket sellers hold up signs like this one in Chinese. It reads, To Tulcan, Colombian border. More than a dozen Chinese migrants board the bus north. We go with them for the four-hour-plus ride. On board, Zhang and the others plan their next moves. California. California. That's the ultimate goal. Zhang plans to stay here in Dutkan for two nights and then hire a cab to take him over the border. As a lot of the Chinese migrants are able to pay their way in taxi to get to the international bridge crossing from Ecuador to Colombia, we've noticed a lot of folks, migrants from Latin American countries like these over here, not having the money to do that. So they walk. In the cold rain, we meet Angel and Isabel from Venezuela. It's really expensive to try to cross, so they have to walk. Tulcan residents tell me they see hundreds, if not thousands, of Chinese migrants passing through each week. And because they're often carrying more cash, they are now prime targets for corrupt police and cartels. But like Zhang, they remain determined. As we return home, he updates us on his trek. Over two weeks, Zhang travels through five Central American countries, at times messaging Chinese-speaking smugglers who remotely coordinate with local cartels to get him and others on vans, buses, boats, and on flights. It cuts his travel time down to about half that of most Latino migrants. But it's costly. By the time he reaches northern Mexico, he has spent more than $10,000, with one more border to go. A camera we set up facing the U.S. southern border captures weeks of crossings, thousands entering the U.S. through this gap in the wall. Group after group, day and night, you can hear these migrants shouting in Chinese. They end up where we started, San Diego County, burning fires through the night to keep warm and during the day expecting Border Patrol to pick them up. Just before New Year's, Jung messages us that he too has crossed into the U.S. and is waiting to be processed for asylum. America. Joining the thousands who've crossed before him and the many more to come. I mean, David, this is absolutely incredible to watch. And I know that this is a growing trend. Of course, we've been talking about this with you for months. You've been doing all of this reporting. Right. It's still incredibly undercovered. And, and you know, as part of this... You know, you talk about that they're coming from the second largest economy in the world, right? The Chinese economy. What is the Chinese government saying about its citizens, tens of thousands of them, going to such extreme lengths to leave China for the United States? Aaron, this is not a good look for them. You know, as you've been talking about, you you and I, going back a a few years now through zero COVID, we're talking about a a China that was hyper-nationalistic. That's what they want to portray now post-COVID, is that they are a rebounding, robust economy. This is contradicting that. And so it's very concerning for the Chinese government to have these images and this narrative now coming out. And something that Beijing has said that they're going to crack down against and that they want to work internationally to come down hard on illegal immigration. It's not often you hear Beijing wanting to work with other countries on things uh, specifically with the West, but this is something they want to step in on for sure. 
Absolutely incredible. David Culver, thank you. And next, there are calls now for the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin to resign. After he didn't tell the White House or his own deputy, now we understand about two hospital stays. And Republican Congresswoman Lauren Boebert making headlines again, and not for her work on Capitol Hill, under investigation tonight after allegedly punching her ex-husband. Hacks is coming back, and so is the official Hacks podcast. With us, your hosts. I'm Paul W. Downs. I'm Jen Statsky. And I'm Lucia Aniello. We're the creators and showrunners. Each week on the podcast, we'll break down the new episodes. We'll also have special guests, cast and crew from the show like Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart. Hacks Season 3 is available to stream now on Max. Be sure to listen wherever you get your podcasts or listen directly on Max. New tonight, there are growing calls for the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin to resign after waiting days to tell the public, the White House, and his own deputy that he was in intensive care. The list of unanswered questions growing tonight. The Pentagon spokesman revealing that Austin was also hospitalized when he had an elective surgery last month, and he couldn't say why the White House or Austin's deputy were not told about that hospitalization either, or what the surgery was for, or if Austin was ever unconscious when he returned to the ICU. Warren Lieberman is out front. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin under fire after going days without telling President Joe Biden and others that he was in the hospital. Some Republicans calling for his resignation, some Democrats calling it a mistake, everyone demanding answers. I do hope that every person uh, in the cabinet recognizes that this was not an appropriate step, not an appropriate way to handle what uh, was his hospitalization, and, and hopefully there will be greater transparency, at least within the administration. These are the last publicly released images of Austin speaking to troops before the holidays. The date was December 21st. One day later, Austin went to the hospital for an elective procedure, staying overnight. The White House was not notified of the hospital stay, the Pentagon said Monday, and neither was Deputy Defense Secretary Kathleen Hicks, who is supposed to take over Austin's responsibilities when he's not available. Austin then worked from home throughout the Christmas holiday, holding calls with several of his counterparts. On New Year's Day, Austin felt severe pain and was taken in an ambulance from his home in Virginia to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center in Maryland, where he was admitted to the ICU. But his hospitalization remained a secret from all but a tiny few. Any commander knows that they have to notify their boss when, when something serious is going on that might take them out of the loop. Joint Chiefs Chair General C.Q. Brown was notified on January 2nd within 24 hours of Austin's hospitalization. So was Austin's Chief of Staff, Kelly Magsiman. The Pentagon says it was her responsibility to notify others, but she was sick with the flu. President Joe Biden wouldn't find out until January 4th, a full three days after Austin was admitted to the hospital. It's pretty shocking on this because when you're the Secretary of Defense, uh, you need to make everyone aware that you're actually going to be out of pocket. Deputy Secretary Hicks assumed some of Austin's duties on January 2nd while she was on vacation in Puerto Rico. But even she didn't know that he was in the hospital for another two days. Pentagon Press Secretary Major General Pat Ryder says there was no gap in Pentagon leadership and there was always positive control of national security. He says Austin is no longer in the ICU, is in good condition, but still feeling discomfort. The chair of the Senate Armed Services Committee, who spoke with Austin over the weekend, was blunt. I remain concerned that vital chain of command and notification procedures were not followed while the secretary was under medical care. This lack of disclosure must never happen again. 
In a statement over the weekend, Austin said he takes full responsibility for the lack of disclosure. He said he commits to, quote, doing better. What he didn't offer in his statement was an apology. Republican Congressman Matt Rosendale says he will introduce articles of impeachment for Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Those are unlikely to go anywhere, but that's not the point. The point here is that this is a question of national security, a question of public and press notification. And now, Aaron, it is a major political problem for the Biden administration, which still hasn't given good answers here. Absolutely. All right, Orrin, thank you very much. So I want to go to Brett Bruin now as a career diplomat. He was the former director of global engagement and National Security Council official under then-President Obama, and he also served under President George W. Bush. So, Brett, I appreciate your time. Uh, you, you know uh, not just the timeline that's been laid out here, but what it's like to be uh, in those chains of command and, and uh, you know, what is normally shared and not shared and when. Do you think, with everything that you know and that we now understand to be the case, that Secretary Austin should resign? I think uh, both he should resign, but I think there have to be several resignations here, including his chief of staff, as well as other officials. You know, you mentioned the Pentagon spokesperson. He briefed reporters on Thursday, knowing then that Secretary Austin was in the hospital, did not disclose that information. These are not minor mistakes, Aaron. These are serious breaches of trust. They're serious breaches of transparency. And they do ultimately affect our readiness as a nation to respond. Well, I mean, it, it, it's embarrassing. I think I think certainly the Secretary of Defense himself must realize that at this point, at the very least for the country. Um, so, uh, you know, we're told that Austin's deputy, Kathleen Hooks, Hicks, assumed some of his duties while she was on vacation in Puerto Rico. And as you mentioned, the chief of staff, senior military assistant, joint chiefs chairman, uh, found out the same time she did that Austin was in the hospital. Um, I'm sorry, at the same time that he was that he was in the hospital. But she didn't know even though she took some of the duties over that he was in the hospital for two more days. Um, what do you make of some of these, these gaps? And do you think, Brett, that, that when it comes out as to why he was originally in for whatever elective surgery it is, and then it seems to be some kind of repercussion that came after it, that, 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 that whatever that is is going to be part of why they didn't want to share it? I think we're facing, Aaron, a credibility crisis. And as you point out, we still don't know why he went in the hospital, why he's still in the hospital. We also, um, quite frankly, have not gotten uh, the full truth about how things went down. I think the withholding of information still by the White House, the Pentagon, this has been coming out in dribs and drabs requires us at this point to have a full airing of the facts. I think there has to be a public investigation. And then we need new criteria. We need to understand going forward in the future, when do defense secretaries need to call their boss, need to call the White House and say, sir, ma'am, I'm going to be out of the office for the next few hours and the next few days. Yeah, I, it is. It is. It is bizarre and it is disturbing. All right, Brett, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Sure thing. And next, police investigating Lauren Boebert for an incident at a Colorado restaurant. The Republican congresswoman denying that she punched her ex-husband. So what happened? Plus the breaking news, at least 21 people we now know were injured after an explosion at a hotel, a hotel in downtown Fort Worth, Texas. Tonight, quote, I didn't punch Jason. That's actually what you now have to hear from the Colorado congresswoman Lauren Boebert who has to speak out after an incident with her ex-husband where the police were called. The Republican congresswoman denying anything happened, saying, I didn't punch Jason in the face, and no one was arrested. So here we are, an investigation now underway, and it is not the first time in recent months that a person who is actually a member of Congress has been under fire for this kind of behavior. Lucy Kafanoff is out front. 
I'm Lauren Bobert, and I approve this message. Cut. That's a wrap. Congresswoman Lauren Boebert is no stranger to controversy. Tonight, the Colorado Republican is the subject of an active police investigation into an alleged altercation with her ex-husband, Jason Boebert, at the Miner's Claim restaurant in her district Saturday night. In a statement to CNN, Boebert said, I didn't punch Jason in the face and no one was arrested. I will be consulting with my lawyer about the false claims he made against me and evaluate all of my legal options. Bober's ex-husband telling the Denver Post that he does not want to press charges, saying, I don't want nothing to happen. Her and I were working through a difficult conversation. We are coming together to take our country back. It is the latest in a series of controversies plaguing the far-right firebrand. I am announcing my candidacy for the 2024 Republican nomination to represent Colorado's 4th Congressional District. Last month, Boebert announced she will be switching to run for a seat in Colorado's more conservative 4th District, rather than facing a tough re-election bid in Colorado's 3rd District. This announcement is a fresh start following a pretty difficult year for me and my family. I had never been in politics before, and I'd never been through a divorce. I'm Lauren Boebert, and I approve this message. After spending nearly two decades with her husband. I got married. I have four wonderful boys. The 37-year-old, who is already a grandmother, filed for divorce last year, citing irreconcilable differences. In her book, My American Life, Boebert describes meeting Jason when she was 16 years old. I fell in love with Jason immediately, and I knew, without a doubt, he was the man I was meant to be with, for better or worse, forever. As her divorce was still being finalized, Boebert made headlines last September when she was booted from a musical production of Beetlejuice in Denver. Surveillance footage shows Boebert vaping inside the theater, taking flash photos with her phone and raising her arms to dance. Her theater companion seen here fondling her breast. She was eventually escorted out of the show. Video shows her flipping off security. I was a little too uh, eccentric. Boebert defending her behavior in an interview on OAN. I'm very known for having uh, a animated personality, uh, maybe overtly animated personality. I was laughing, I was singing, having a fantastic time. Police in Silt County, where the restaurant altercation allegedly occurred, tell CNN that they can't disclose who made that call, nor whether the department had received surveillance footage from the restaurant to review. Bobert, meanwhile, citing this incident as yet another reason why she's switching districts. Aaron, Lucy, thank you very much. Reporting, of course, from Colorado tonight. And next, we're following the breaking news that I mentioned. There's been an explosion at a hotel in Texas, and at least 21 people have been injured at this hour. Uh, the footage pretty stunning. We'll be right back. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.